guys. Welcome back again to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre. I'm uh, here with my friend Sam, and we're back to talk again about what it's like to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. How's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, been a busy week, a couple of weeks, actually, starting school um, here on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that and just embracing uh, the... The student life again. Student, uh, you didn't say it. I, I was waiting for you to say it, if you would say it or not, and you did not say the word fall. <laughs> I was going to my next question was, have you gotten into any fights with anyone about the usage of the word fall or end of summer? Because there's some people that are very, very sensitive. Very offended by saying <laughs> end of summer. Yeah, no, I just prefer to say student life because that can mean a lot of things. Some of us have a very hard time letting go of summer. Are you one of those people? I am one of those people. Yeah. That's why yeah. I'm trying to shift my perspective a little bit. It's a, Now it's a new time for growth and learning, and uh, summer is, it will be back it's, in you a know, year. And for me, it's both ways, right? So I love summer. It's, it's just an amazing season. But I don't know, anytime, it, and the funny thing for us is I feel like, so we have, our church camp happens at the end of August or beginning of September every single year, and we come back from church camp, and it's like literally the air has changed and yeah. there's a slight change in drop. color on the leaves. It's yeah. like, boom, it's there. And I like, we were unloading the car and I said something about fall and my wife just like flipped out and I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. Sensitive subject. A little too Sensitive subject. response to no, she the didn't, seasons changing. No, she didn't changing. really like flip no. out, but yeah. We I have what you're saying. Yeah. And there, I've met a few people throughout the last week that are very sensitive to the subject. So we are very sorry if we have offended your sensitive ears, but you know what? See, fall, fall is coming. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, for me, fall always comes with a, like a sensation uh, of longing and expectation and excitement. It's like a new chapter, you know? So school's starting for some. For some, it's just the work season kicking back into gear. I'm excited. I, I love the season. I don't know about pumpkin spice stuff, though. Not yet. Never liked it personally. Yeah. No. There, if, if, have you seen the, the Babylon Bee article on, on Facebook this week? FDA recommends that you immediately pour all your pumpkin spice flavored <laughs> drinks down the drain. <laughs> what, because the sugar content? I, I think it's just an uh, overdone thing. Right. It totally is an overdone However, thing. However, as overdone as it is, may I recommend that if you are into the pumpkin spice thing, go to Adagio Coffee House in Bellingham, downtown Bellingham. They will make you a real pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. Everyone else? Nah. I'm into pumpkins and I'm into spice, just not at the same time. Yeah. So here it is. Yeah. Whether, whether we like it or not, fall is coming, summer's coming to an end. Maybe not quite ended yet, but here we are. Uh, what are we talking about today? Well, this is kind of a part two to the last episode we did together. Uh, not the one on foster care, obviously, but um, right. our last episode together. Talking about recapturing the wonder of Christian life in an age, in an era, in a world where it can be considered boring, right. quite frankly. right. And not even that, but in an era, as we discussed two episodes ago, that we live in a world that is drained of magic. Um, the mindset of Western culture today is, is, is fundamentally without God. So like yeah. we see the world apart from God. Right. And that impacts people spiritually. That's why so many people find Christianity and 
just religion, like religion is like in scare quotes now, right? Organized religion is yeah. like one of the worst things. Right. Like, Christianity uh, itself is almost a buzzword of ooh, right. this, this ancient old institution that is, you know, oppressive to people and restrictive and puts rules on us. And it's almost not popular to even say that anymore. Right. right. And that's what we talked about last time. People want to be spiritual, but they don't want to be Christian. They don't right. want to be religious. They do want to have some sort of transcendent spiritual experience, though. Right, right. So what we last time we teased apart all the reasons or sources of disenchantment. This time what we want to do is talk about kind of what, you know, the book we gave out of the conference is called Recapturing the Wonder, which I, I love that title. And I think that what Mike Cosper is getting at there is really the heart of one of the issues that we all deal with as Christians today. And that is essentially, how do we cultivate a Christian life today where we are experiencing a thicker sense of God, of his truth, of following him and experiencing his work in our lives. Now, that's kind of a that's a huge that's like a million yeah. dollar question, right? It's like basically what is what is it that can boost my spiritual life and my sense, not just like um you know, oh, I'm doing so good. I'm reading my Bible and praying and doing all this right. stuff. It's not no, like no. a 10 tips, 10, ten tricks type right, of thing. Right, right. Yeah. It's kind of that deeper sense of how can I how how can I grow in my sense of God's work and presence at all times. Yeah. You know? It's it's asking yourself, how can I completely change my perspective on the world around me that will cause me to see the wonder of Christianity right. and the wonder of faith? Right. So what we want to do is kind of break it down to three basic actions, kind of three basic ideas that need to become prominent in our life. Um but I think under those, we'll just kind of also just share some personal stuff, like stuff that we've been learning, some stuff that I've been learning specifically too. Like there's mm-hmm. huge changes that God has been working specifically in this area in my life in the last couple of years. So the first basically, and so here's the other thing. If you were at our conference, at the True North Conference, we're, we're following the basic outline that I used in my talk, but what we're doing is we're bringing a bunch of new content into these points. So this is not just a repetition of that talk. Right. So if you want to get that talk, you can check it out on YouTube or wherever. We'll put a link up to it. But this is like other stuff. So so the first thing I think, basically, disenchantment in its most foundational level is that people live in this life, in this culture, with a sense that God is absent. God, spirituality, spiritual things, yeah. um, or spiritual realities are not part of our everyday life. That's the sense. And the idea that God has been replaced by something else, and that's science. Right. That's measurement. That's this understanding of the forces around us without God. Right. So inevitably, what it means for us as Christians to recapture the wonder, to be re-enchanted, is that we must, we must discover the wonder of God's presence in everyday life. We must recultivate a sense of God and His glory in all things. So that that's that's something that 
doesn't just happen with the flip of a switch. You don't just look around and say, wow, now I see the world differently. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, for me... It's about cultivating habits, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it's, it's a shift in your perspective, too. I think, like, in my life, this happened in a very conscious way in the past three years. Like, and, and again, for me, it, it was almost accidental, but... Um, one of the big things that helped me see the world in a new light, and it's not like as a Christian, I was looking at, at the world through atheistic lenses. I wasn't. But I feel like a big change in my personal view of everyday life, what just went, what happened as I, um, as I was reading certain authors. So there's certain people that will shape your view of the world. Uh, there's certain... Um, when we read books of people, you're, you're literally looking at the world through their eyes. You know what I'm saying? So there was a period of, of, of the la- in the last three years where there was some specific challenges I was going through, changes in my career, um, jobs that were really difficult for me to get. I was working like there's at one point for, for a year, I was working night shift in the ICU as a nurse. And it was a terrible fit. It was a really hard season. Mm. Um, we just had our baby, our first baby. She was really cranky for the first like nine months. We had a really tough season. Work was super intense. And we got a house that was like needed a lot of renovation. So like it was a very stressful season. And in that season, uh, one of the things that was like kept me anchored was just reading. Um, so reading a few people. Uh, Charles Spurgeon's autobiography, uh, his story, just like hearing his heart poured out in, in, in the difficulties of his life. Um, Francis Schaeffer, his stuff about how worldview and how we see the world and how we develop a biblical view of all things. That was like a light, it was like a, it was like a huge thing that just went off, like for me, a light bulb. Like when reading Francis Schaeffer helped me see a unity to the world. And he helped me think about worldview. C.S. Lewis, like, breathed fire into my worldview um, with the beauty of his arguments. So that was another huge one. Another big one for me was N.D. Wilson, a guy named N.D. Wilson. Um, And he has a book called um, Death by Living, which is a really cool book that helps you kind of see the Christian philosophy of life as embracing struggle and embracing challenges. Um, But all this stuff, basically for me personally, helped me start to see that I actually didn't even know that I was living in a kind of secular view of life. Like my everyday mentality was very without God. Like Mm. traffic, life, job, clocking in, clocking out. Uh, difficulties at work, uh, relationships. It, I was like, I, I was the whole time. I'm obviously like a Christian, and I growing in my sense of God and his. But, but these guys really helped me to see the world in a new light. One of the things I think that is important to notice about our life and kind of how we work as people is that we love stories, and so when you talk about you know why certain things touch us a certain way, like C.S. Lewis and Chronicles of Narnia or Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. We remember stories because we're deeply narrative creatures. That's the way that God made us. 
and they've always been a part of our existence. So I think this is also why postmodernism as sort of a doctrine is so unfulfilling is because it rejects the idea of this overarching narrative. It's just your story and someone else's story and they're always different and uh, they don't have to be aligned by truth or anything. But people still long to experience narratives. And we see this in the entertainment industry, right? Um, stories about good and evil. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be a part of that. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Mm-hmm. Just perfectly encompasses that desire to see good triumph over evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to be a part of a story. Um, Mike Cosper had another book where he talks about storytelling and he says, we tell stories because we are broken creatures hungering for redemption. Mm -hmm. But I think that you have to look at life as part of a story, right? Your life, you're, you're a puzzle piece in God's gigantic picture. And so is everybody else. And your daily routine, the habits you cultivate, it orients you and your perspective um, toward God or away from God and will um, alter your perspective on life. So one of the things that's really important about this is to spend time with other believers and to talk about spiritual matters. So community, I think, is one of the ways that we can recapture sort of the the wonder of spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Well, just to connect to your thing about stories too, though, I think... Um, you know, rediscovering the wonder of God's presence inevitably means rediscovering the reality of his story. And that's one of the big reasons our culture is in crisis today, I think, is because we've rejected an overall truth. Like, we've we've proclaimed, like, we live in a world that says, build your own story. There is no story. We don't see a beginning and an end to anything, right? Well, yeah, and we, I mean... We, we're, we are all told that we get to write our own stories, right? But when you look at the world, you have to, it all has to come together somehow. Right. There has to be an infinite reference point to all the stories. Like, my, sure, all of our lives are separate stories. I mean, some people would disagree with that whole idea that there has to be an infinite reference point. But I think that if you dive into the philosophy, you'd say, yeah, there does have to be. But some people would say, no, you can, you can have your story. Everyone else can have their story. They don't have to align. You can have your truth. They can have their truth. And that's just how it is. Right. But the background story to all that is that there is no one true story to the universe. So like, yeah. but, but, and what that means is there is no God present and working in this world. Right. Right. So, and that's why people today feel like, you know, like we have so much and yet we, we don't know how to put it all together. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Life doesn't, isn't fulfilling even when we have all the wonderful, successful things in life, right? So I think like God and his story is the over, like he is intimately involved and that pulls together like everything as, as like you said, like we're, we're as human beings are fundamentally story oriented creatures. Right. So without that, you can't, you can't see a unity to the world around you. But with, with understanding God's presence, God's overarching message, and, and so I guess the other piece to that that I wanted to throw in was you have to live with a conscious awareness that the overall story that the culture is telling you is false. Right, right. 
and, that there's something better. There's a better right. story out there right. and that we're all a part of it. But your ability to reject the story around you is going to, you can't just be. You can't just choose not to accept it. You have to actually be working towards something better. You, yeah, you have yeah. to have a sense of a bigger story behind it. And that's why, that's the problem with Christians just being cultural critics. Like, oh, we're going to sit here and we're just going to like criticize the culture as being so, or like even like a lot of Christian, you know, church culture that was like shielding its kids from like pop culture and like, don't don't go there kids and don't, don't watch the cartoons, don't watch the movies, it's all evil. Why that doesn't work is because no alternative greater story was presented. God was not seen Mm in as present and active, you know? So. Right. And that's, that's just a problem with people not having a developed theology to teach their kids. Really. Right. right. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that is, I think kind of troubling is, uh, especially our generation and our lack of community with other people in the church. And I mean, like your church is, is pretty good about this, but larger churches, this seems to be seriously lacking um, people kind of think they can go it alone. They don't need the church for fellowship. Yeah. And this is really important because if we're all, if we all have a story that plays into God's big story, we're all a piece of the puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. And your little tiny piece of the puzzle is not enough to gain perspective on right. everything else. Right. You have to connect with other pieces of the puzzle. Right. And those other pieces of the puzzle are other believers, other Christians and when you are with them, it's not enough to just be together and have community. You have to talk about things of importance, talk about faith, talk about life, talk about wonder, talk about theology. And when you do that, you speak truth into each other's lives. Uh-huh. And that allows you to see the bigger picture, where everyone is going together. You know, I think, I mean, we talk about community a lot these days, or like it's kind of a buzzword, like, oh, community, yeah, cultivating is, community. Totally. And I think that still a lot of people, a lot of times we are often, uh, we're still kind of at a loss of what that actually means and how do you experience it, you know? Like, how do we go about actually building like a thick life of mm-hmm. community and discipleship with other Christians? Because here, the, here's the honest fact. Oftentimes, church life and life with other believers feels maybe dry, flat, ordinary, right? The, we, we want this excited sense of belonging, sense of purpose, sense of something is up here and I'm part of something amazing, right? But oftentimes, church life is pretty ordinary. How do we push past that? How do we, I don't know, like any thoughts on that? Like, because I feel right, like... Yeah. We can talk about, oh, like, oh, you need to be part, part of a church. You need to be, right, like, right. but when the rubber meets the road, most of us are, like. Like, there's something wrong with church. What is it? Like, yeah. We kind of have that feeling, yeah. I think it's the way that we worship and the way that we learn in church often. Mm-hmm. And I, I think our church buildings and our church services are too familiar to us. And we have tried so hard in this age to make our faith just kind of fit the culture that our churches blend in with everyday life. Hmm. And that's why we have, you know, strip mall and box store churches. And it it doesn't feel like there's anything sacred about them anymore. Mm -hmm. Nothing really holy the same way we we used to have. So, like, think about it. In the past, the greatest craftsmen and artists in the world would give their talents Mm 
to create a space that was unlike anything else imaginable to people mm-hmm. at the time. When you walk into the Notre Dame or gaze on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, you know, that was painted by Michelangelo, you can't help but be hit with the idea that people of the past understood something about worship that maybe we've lost today. Yeah. You think that connects to community, though? I think. I mean, it's all connected in how we experience church. I think that they are two separate things, but we don't have a desire for community in the church anymore because we have... We think that church is boring and we, flat. We've, we've blended the church into our regular lives so much that we don't see a distinction between them. Yeah. Worship is not thought to be sacred. Yeah, Maybe. worship is like, well, you can worship... Um, in flip-flops you know, and shorts. Or or listening to some songs on Spotify with your headphones on or in the car yeah. just as much as you can in communion with other believers. Yeah, yeah. Because it's all about how you feel. Yeah. Right? Or at least that's the idea today. Well, I think so... Yeah, yeah. I think that this... Yeah, I think there's a huge component here to rethinking how we worship because... Think about it. Like, so most of the people listening here are Christians. That means you go to church on Sundays. It means that you do this thing a lot, this thing of going to church and whatever we do at church, right? And so whatever it is that we're doing, it's shaping our habits. It's shaping our perspectives, right? So if you're, and I think one of the, one of the, what thing that you're hitting on here is evangelical culture, church culture has become so feeling like a consumer experience that it's kind of taken the magic out of, of, right. of knowing You walk God. into the church coffee shop, you get your latte, and then you go and you hear a great worship band and uh, hear some inspirational words and hear some more singing and then, then you leave. Right, right, right. So definitely, yeah, I think that so... If we were to frame that into practical, like recapturing the wonder, one of the things that we need to be rethinking is worship, right? That's definitely been something that we've been doing in our church. So again, we don't have it down, but it's a question that it's kind of a can of worms that we've opened. Why do we do what we do on Sunday, right? And, And as an individual, you who are listening, how do you approach Sunday? Like what, what does it mean to you? What, what is the weekly worship service to you, right? So when we look at the New Testament, the way they speak about gathering with the saints for worship, the way Paul speaks, the way the book of Hebrews, the way Acts talks about it, is like a profoundly important experience because it's not just about you coming and getting some sort of emotional uplifting experience and getting inspired by the sermon. This is like no matter how what what no matter how ragtag and ordinary your church may look, this is the people of God gathering to worship. You know what I'm saying? Like no matter how and this is so crazy. Like sometimes I'll look like sometimes you know, we'll have Sundays where it's like stuff doesn't go as as planned, the worship band doesn't or, or some there's you know, hiccups in, yeah. in, in the service. And and you know, I, I kind of stand back and marvel and be like, wow, like and yet this is God's church. Like mm. this is the people of God among whom God dwells. And he is here among us in a special way because that's what Jesus said. When you are gathered in my name, like I am there among mm. you in a special kind of presence. So like do we have that awareness, right? 
one of the things that we need to rethink is buildings. I think, I mean, you kind of hit on that, but like, yeah. that's, it, it really is a point. Like, I'm not sure where it goes. Modern, like, what does that mean for us? Like making different kinds of church buildings, but like the, the worship space is important and, and it is, yeah. we've turned it into this, you know, I mean, what do you even, the, the average, you know, we've it's, tried like a, to blend it's like a theater, much, I feel like. like it's yeah. too plain and theater like. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that those are, those are thoughts that should maybe start kind of ideas in your minds about how we do worship. But if I were to circle back to the community question, I think that one of the things that, so we expect community to be exciting and, and interesting and intriguing and we want to be part of a church community like that. But the reality is that the building process of life in the body, um, the building process of building rich relationships, that building process is, is difficult and hard and time-consuming. And it involves a lot of like challenges and struggles. Like you have to, oh, totally. we have to share each other's messy, difficult lives. Yeah, and I we mean, have to get into each other's lives, right? It, like having church community isn't just going to a potluck after church and eating some food and right. asking your your neighbor Joe, "Oh, how's work? Right. Going well?" You know, it's it's really opening yourself up, right? And uh, to have spiritual community, you have to reveal the spiritual side of your being, right? Right. Well, and that's and I, hard to do. Yeah, and I think that that also connects to another principle of like recapturing the wonder, so sort of, and that is that um, we have to rediscover the fact that real peace, real joy, real contentment comes through the struggle. It comes through death. It comes mm. through dying to self. And one of the most important ways that we engage in a weekly routine of dying to self is dying to self. In, in, in the service and life of the body of Christ. Mm. You know, like when Paul talks about in, in 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about like he's struggling and he's suffering. His life is really difficult. All of that was directly connected to the message of the gospel being proclaimed and the church being built up, you know? Um, to build the church, to build community is to say I my life for yours. Right. It's to sacrifice yourself. I mean, I just look at myself personally, for example, and I've had some health issues over the years and things that prevented me from doing what I wanted on my timeline. Mm-hmm. And it forced me to change my perspective and sort of humble myself before God and say, look, my, my life is yours. This is uncomfortable. I don't like it, but... Um, you know, take me and, and use me right on your timeline as you see fit. And it just forces you to slow down and realize that life isn't about you. Right. It's about it's about worshiping God. It's about the community that you form with other believers. And um I think sometimes God slows us down if we don't realize that yet. And well yeah, yeah. He's he does that for the purpose of getting our attention. Right. Like you know this the amazing quote from C.S. Lewis that that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a a sleepy world or dying mm. world. Yeah, like that's how God gets our attention. But not only how God gets our attention, like Jesus said that to follow Him, that the life of discipleship is the life of taking up your cross. Which means that following Jesus is death to self. Death to self doesn't happen when everything is peachy and easy and wonderful and oh, sunny right. and smooth. That it fundamentally doesn't happen. So, so 
the reality, and this is so, I think, counterintuitive to us. Like, this is so, like, personally for me, it's been really, like, hard to really click into this on a daily level. Like, you meet the grace of God in the midst of the battlefield because that is where the Savior is. He is waging war against the darkness. He has come into this world to inaugurate his kingdom. He is he has given his life for ours. You know, he's the king, he's the Lord, he's the conqueror. If you want a piece of his grace, you follow him into his battles, you know? Mm. And and the Christians who are bored are the Christians who are huddled in the tent, um, taking an extra nap, pretending like the war right. doesn't exist. Fearing Goliath when, you know, yeah. they should be out there fighting. Well, and this is also why individualistic Christianity is so dry because yeah. when your Christianity is just about you and your little problems and and not part of a bigger picture and not part of a bigger story and not part of a bigger community of Christians and their struggles you're just going to you're just going to be bored and you're, you're there's not going to be a a direction that the spirit of God is going to be working his grace you know mm. um i mean even it was fun, it's like i'm i'm trying one of the, some of the practical ways i'm trying to like you know and we when we talk about struggles and, and pain and death to self. You know, I think oftentimes we will think of like dramatic stuff like, oh, if God calls me to be a missionary in Africa or something and to give <laughs> my life, or, or if God sends like a really difficult thing or like some disease or some big giant mega trial, capital T trials, right? But, but everyday life and everyday relationships in the church are peppered with small T trials where you got to bring the fight there, you know, like this morning I was specifically like, you know, I wake up with a headache. The kids are up extra early, like <laughs> 640 and they're up like bouncing off the walls. Like kids wake up and they're just like, like take off, like blast off. I don't know how, what it is. I wish I could there still is do no, that. There is no wake right? up routine. They're just off, you know? And it's like, I'm trying to get an extra five minutes of sleep. And then, of course, the moment my head hits the pillow again, like there's a shrieking, crying sound from the living room. And what somebody someone hit, hit someone, hit someone right. and someone took somebody else's toy. And like they're all screaming. And I'm like, you know, stumbling through blurred, you know, tr- still trying to open my eyes and kind of realizing like it was funny. Maybe it was just God's spirit graciously reminding me like, this is this is where the battle is. Like, for me to love my kids and pass on grace to them every day. Like, this is where it right here, right mm-hmm. here is where I need to confront my flesh, push back my stupid, my selfish desire to my, my desire to be frustrated right now. Like, this is where I say Jesus is King, and therefore yeah. I need to open and my eyes. And that's a daily thing. That kind yeah. of stuff happens every day yeah. in your house, right? Yeah. So it's habit building. Yeah. It's constantly redirecting your affections to Jesus. Yeah. To the right place. It makes you desperate every day and it makes you discover his grace every day, you know? And that, so when we talk about cultivating community and building life in the church, it's pushing past that, pushing past uh, awkward moments, pushing past discomfort, uncomfortable conversations that we know we need to have with people. Um, you know, reaching out of your routine and looking around and saying, okay, like who in my church can I build a relationship with? Like one, what one person can I reach out to? Like, how can I break out of my comfort zone and do something for someone else? You know, um, a thousand different ways that we, we actually have to embrace difficulties as the, the actual places where grace and peace 
enter your heart, you know? Right. It's funny how our culture is so comfortable, right? Like we have the most goods of any culture, physically prosperous, and yet so without peace, so restless, so anxious, Mm. right? And Jesus says, you get grace in the midst of the battle, but you gotta you gotta climb on the horse. You gotta strap on the sword. You gotta charge in. You gotta realize that those moments when you're battling your pers- your frustration, your anger, your your patience, your fear, your anxiety, those are the moments. That's where the that's where you gotta bring the battle. Those are the moments we discover that God really is present. Yeah, I think the last thing when it comes to sort of recapturing that that wonder of Christianity is reorienting your perspective and understanding that the universe around us points to a creator. So science tells us that we don't have to believe that anymore because we can quantify things. But the truth is, I think Christianity is the best equipped to actually appreciate the wonder and discovery of science. Mm -hmm. And so I love studying science and mathematics and such. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I study in school and one of the most amazing experiences that's a part of that is feeling like I get to gaze finitely into the mind of God. Mm-hmm. When something clicks, when I'm studying, it's like God revealing something to me. And it's an act of worship, of understanding, wow, that's how that works. The way the earth orbits the sun, you know, at just the right distance to make it habitable. Or the way that the micro machinery of a cell carries out every single activity to make life possible. The order of it blows my mind. And that's the key thing is order. It's, it's so important because order implies purpose. And purpose cries out and glorifies God. Like the fact that there is a story that God has created means that there is, is purpose. And creation points to that purpose. It's beauty and perfection. Uh, I was listening to the Revelation song it's one we've all heard, you know, but it's... Which one? The Revelation song. It's taken out of Revelation. You know, holy, holy, holy oh, yeah, yeah. is the yeah. Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. And, you know, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. What a marvelous mystery. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's incredible because... God gave us minds and techniques and we can use science to better understand the universe that he created and its purpose and the fact that it's crying out for redemption. And once we just open our eyes and look around us, the beauty of life cries out to our creator. We just have to be willing to experience it. And once you understand that everything in the world belongs to God and you open yourself to experiencing that joy and that wonder, you can fall in love with the idea of humbling yourself before God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is where, like, as a Christian, I have a profoundly different experience of, like, even watching movies like Interstellar, mm. where, like, for a moment, like, you know, here we are, like, and again, this is why I really recommend N.D. Wilson as an author. He has two books, Notes from a Tilted World and... Death by Living. I, I recommend Death by Living. If you like that, you can go on to the next one. But um, he just he just like pulls back the curtain, just like guys, like look at the insanity of this whole thing. 
Like, here we are, little microscopic little creatures on a spinning giant planet going around in bazillion miles an hour around a giant spinning ball hanging up in space suspended on absolutely nothing in a universe vaster than you can ever imagine. And it's all just here. And, like, we're so preoccupied with what we got on our test grade or what our next paycheck is going to be. And, like, all around us, a universe is in motion. Like, And we get to be a part of that. What? I know. And, like, we have our little lives, right? Like, just the the insanity of the wonder of the universe and life, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you have to cultivate a view of these things. Like, you have to train your heart to look around. We are, we, uh, culture trains you to perpetually be um, distracted. And um, there's this really cool painting. One of the guys I follow on, Inst- on um, Twitter, one of the pastors, posted this painting, which I asked my wife that she gets me for my uh, birthday, for my office. It's a painting by a French painter. And the painting is of a painter who is sitting and just looking at the landscape, like contemplating before he starts painting. But like he's not in a hurry. He's just looking. He's just gazing at the landscape. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like we need this. Oh, right. You know, like... Like what's to, the last thing you did when you when you went on a hike? Yeah. And you just, got to the top. Did you pull out your phone? Yeah. And, or did you just sit there and look at it? Yeah. And like take it in. Like I, you know, we, we live, um, there's a birch forest behind us and... Like the, one of the most relaxing things, you know, it's become a routine now for me after a full day of work to sit in the backyard while the kids are playing on the swings and just sit there and look at the, just watch the breeze, you know, the the dancing of the leaves in the breeze and the rustling poetry of God. Mm. And, and just like, you know, the, the simple thing that has been on my heart is like, man, if I can write a poem that captures this, I'm done. Like, I'm good. You know, like, I don't need to do anything else. But, like, <laughs> never can I capture the, the glory of right. the world around me, it, even this little moment, you know? Think about how many poets and authors have tried to do that. Right, right. And God is doing all this. He is painting the picture. He's writing the poem. He's singing the song every day. All the time. For you. Yeah. He, he's doing it, of course, to display his glory, but to display his glory to you because he loves you. Because the deer can't see it the way you do, or the birds, or the trees. They don't have the image of God imprinted in their hearts and right. minds, and they are not loved by the creator like you are loved. Mm. So we look around, we see the beauty, we see the wonder, we should be, our breath should be taken away, and we should be reminded we are profoundly loved. Right, that we are built in the image of God. And that we can appreciate beauty in a way that no other creature can. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a lot to think about and contemplate, but probably the best thing you can do right now as the the episode winds down is turn off your phone, unplug your headphones, and just pull over and just look around. Walk outside. (laughs) Summer's almost over. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, That's another set of thoughts for us for this week to hopefully fuel our hearts as we're following Christ in the midst of everything. If this was beneficial, share it on your social media world. 
wherever you do your thing. Uh, one of the big ways that we're kind of present is through Instagram. So follow us on Instagram if you're there. Let us know what you think, and we will talk to you guys again soon. <laughs>